Good time of the day, and welcome to another episode of And When I Say I Mean, I am your co-host, Adrian. And I'm your co-host, Austin. Welcome. Welcome to another week. Happy, uh, I guess it won't be the Polar Vortex when this is released, but happy Polar Vortex, friends. Yeah, hopefully the Polar Vortex is gone when this is being recorded, or when you're listening to this, because it's not when it's being recorded. If it's not gone by then... Things are seriously in trouble. Yeah, we got... It's like Ice Age stuff coming on. Mm-hmm. Not really, but... What causes the polar vortex? Um, It's... So, basically, the jet stream has become a lot more unstable as of late. And so, uh, the jet stream usually keeps most air from the Arctic kind of circulating in a normal pattern in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so, though Canadians are very mad when we blame cold weather, when people say, like, cold, cold air from Canadian Canada. air coming down, mm-hmm. that that's very um, frustrating for Canadians, so I'm going to try not to say that. Um, so, cold air from the Arctic, mm-hmm. uh, as as the jet stream dips, so if you look at the map of the polar vortex, the line kind of is is coming across the west as normal and then dips down into the lower states and then mm-hmm. comes across. So that's the jet stream dipping as it normally does not. Um, and so that allows the, the, the pressure differential, allows the cold Arctic air to come down and hit uh, Chicago, for, for instance. All right, well, solid. Well, the reason that we are recording now is kind of because of the polar vortex, very indirectly probably not at all More yeah like, so i guess i'm talking about the thing about the jet stream so next week and by next week i mean the week that you're currently listening to this mm-hmm. i will have been in england for that entire week um for work and us, things are really wacky i will not have been no that would be interesting though um, but anyways, the jet stream is responsible for keeping England warm. So that's kind of how indirectly it ties mm-hmm. to the polar vortex. Though currently, um, Europe is also being polar vorticeed. Yeah, I was actually, I have the weather for where I'm going on my phone. And they had snow today, or yeah. yesterday. Which Turkey is rather surprising for them. got an amazing amount of snow. You really? should You should look at the, the pictures. Also, so the Atlantic, they do a um, kind of a weekly pictures of the week type thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this week, one of them was from a dusty road or a, a snowy windstep swept road outside of Mount Joy in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Is so, it really? Yeah. I, was, I didn't recognize the place. But I'm like, is this really that great of a picture? But cool. Maytown. I mean, Mount Joy. Represent. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to find it, but... Just Google Atlantic Photos of the Week. And then you can scroll down. It has a caption underneath of it. Anyway... Um, but as this whole polar vortex has emerged, mm-hmm. I have become 
not deeply disappointed, but just like, just like mildly disappointed in the rest of the country for not being able to just being like blown away with the coldness. Mm -hmm. Because for me, this is not very cold or like, right. Like the, the low today for Potsdam, New York was like negative three. And that's Mm -hmm. not, that's not like shockingly cold. That's just like, Oh, that's actually the high was in the team was like not in single digits today. That's pretty nice. So, but again, I think you're you're missing the context of this. Remember, I think it was last week or the week before potentially. Most often, you're like ten degrees colder than the Midwest. Yep. And today, the Midwest was actually colder than you. Yeah. Which is substantial. Yeah. I yeah I guess it's just like. Like, negative 20 is not any reason to lose your mind. It is for them when you're not used to it. <laughs> I guess, but um, they should just, like, just look at the weather in other places. It, there's not really I mean, any you point, could say that for fun. you. You could be like, wow, I should listen to the, look at the weather at the top of Mount Everest. And it's negative 50 all the time. Mm-hmm. That's so much colder than where I am. I have nothing to complain about. I should be not having my mind boggled. Yeah, I don't. I my mind isn't boggled when it's negative twenty because that's just like a normal yearly thing. Okay, well, that's that's fine. So I can't really tell you what my week has been like because that's in the future, but I can tell you what has happened since the last time we recorded. Which, again, and I, I but I okay. One thing I did remember. Remember last time. Last week, when I was talking about, I don't know what I did on Friday, but I feel like I did something, and then I couldn't remember it and apologize to the people that I was spending time with. Yes. I remember what I did. I was watching the movie Catfish with some friends. Okay, is it about, like, catfish the animals or catfishing the online activity? Catfish the online activity. Oh, interesting. Um, So, this is a documentary of a guy who is catfished and who also like where the term catfish was origin which like coined was because of this documentary. Is it Manti Teo? No, that happened afterwards. Oh. Um but it's fast it was fascinating. Um so if you're not familiar the the idea of catfish or being catfished or catfishing is when you pretend to be somebody else online and then interact with somebody. I I thought it was That's like the I thought it was in a dating context. It. Usually is in a dating context, but it doesn't have to be. Oh. Um it almost always is. Yeah. So why um, is it why is it called catfishing? So, okay, so at the end of the I don't know. I I would recommend watching it. Um but it, you probably never will. But anyways, at the end of it so the person who is doing the catfishing, they, like, confront her. And her husband has no idea that she's doing this. And then he is, like, telling on, like, I don't know how this happened. But he's, like, telling the story about how if you transport 
cod or some kind of fish from like the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean, you should put like a catfish inside of also with the other cod to like keep them fresh and on their toes so that when they get there, they're not just like dead beat fish. Okay. So that's how that term got there. I'm probably messing that up. You can probably Google it. Yeah. That that doesn't really clarify anything for me. I wasn't a whole... Are they saying like people should try to catfish people to keep people on their toes? No, but you should be on your toes because there are catfish out there. Okay. I don't know. But anyways, so then he had... So the guy who was catfished and mm-hmm. was this documentary documentary was made about him. He then now has a show on MTV that's where basically people like email him and say, "Hey, I think I'm being catfished," and then they bring him in and they solve the crime. It's not a crime; it kind of is a crime. I don't know, but it's a very interesting show because for me, experiencing it, most of the time I was like, "Wow, these people are so stupid. How do they not know?" But then by the end of it, I'm just like so torn because I was like, these people cared about these other people, even though they didn't really know who they were. And now they're heartbroken and I'm really Mm -hmm. sad for them. So it's like, yeah, it's a lot of emotions. So if you want to experience that. Okay. Um, Cool. Mm Mm-hmm. So then also, so then, uh, also this week I watched um, Green Street Hooligans. Okay. Starring Elijah Wood. Oh, I know him. Yeah. He looks um, like Anthony from Pittsburgh. A little bit. Um. Anyways, basically this movie is about a, a American who goes to England after he gets wrongfully framed for having drugs at Harvard. That's Elijah Wood, by the way. He's the American from Harvard. He doesn't isn't, do drugs. Isn't he British? He plays an American in this movie. Okay. Um. Anyways, he goes there, and long story short, he ends up becoming friends with the Green Street Hooligans, which... I have no idea if you have any knowledge about hooliganism in England because I had no knowledge. No. Basically, it's kind of like West Side Story, but instead, slash Romeo and Juliet, but instead of the two families, you have like football team fans. Okay. Um, So the Green Street Hooligans or the GSE. I forget what E stands for. Anyways, they are West Ham fans. So this is why I was watching the movie, because my favorite Premier League team is West Ham. I which, heard they just got devastatingly defeated by yeah, AFC Wimbley. Yeah, AFC Wimbledon, a third-tier team, beat them in the FA Cup, which is really sad. Um, And I only know that because they are... Owned or co-owned by John Green. They're co-owned. Um, so, yeah. Did you see that his video got taken down? Sidebar. No, why? I don't know. Apparently he like used some clips or something or talked about soccer that wasn't allowed or something. I don't know. He did show clips from a game. 
Yeah, so I think that well, that was why it was removed. Oh, that's dumb. But anyways, so these fans of teams literally will go and fight other fans just for the sake of fandom and for, mm-hmm. like, respect of their clan. Um, and so Elijah Wood joins this this gang and starts beating people up. I did just – I watched briefly part of a documentary on BBC3 called The Forgotten Men of England. Okay. In which people were fighting each other in the streets outside of pubs about football. So, so. it was probably hooliganism. It was okay. probably the same thing. Um, so, yeah, anyways, there's lots of things get taken way too far. Again, think about West Side Story or Romeo and Juliet. Um, without, But it's not about love. It's about yeah, people. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, it was really sad in a lot of ways. Yeah, that sounds, sounds sad. Anything, I've taken up most of our intro time. Do you have anything you'd Uh like to add? Um, yeah, I've been texting our parents about War and Peace and the Idiot, and that's been good. Nice. Yeah. Do they have any thoughts or opinions oh yeah lots of them like it hate it um yeah i i think they like it i was i was worried that the war parts of war and peace would be hard to get through so i'm glad that it's an audiobook because audiobooks are easier to get through hard parts of than regular books that's fair and true Mm-hmm. Anything else? All right. So this week during the polar vortex or the post-polar vortex, as you're staying inside and not going outside, you might find yourself falling into a YouTube black hole. Mm-hmm. As you Recent- do. <laughs> as you do. Recently, I have found myself watching... Way too many Dude Perfect videos. As everyone does at one point in their (laughs) lives, though. (laughs) But, like, and then, of course, you do lots of research about Dude Perfect and you find out things about them and, like, watch how they even started. But, anyways, Dude Perfect. Okay, maybe that's just me. Dude Perfect, if you're not familiar, is the number one, the top subscribe, the highest subscribing YouTube channel based in America. Hmm. Okay. They are. It's that, it's like that's tenth not, in the world. That's not music. No. It 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 is bigger than anything. It, really? it is the largest YouTube video. Let me find the exact stat. Um. Uh. Here we go. List of most subscribers. So. This isn't. This isn't worldwide. So. They are number eight worldwide, just like across the board. Um. Wow. Actually, maybe it does not count. Oh, no. Maybe Justin Bieber is considered Canadian. Justin Bieber um, is Canadian. But it is his YouTube channel. So so here we go. This is the following table lists the most subscribed YouTube channels in each country and territory from which the, the le- at least one channel of at least 5 million subscribers originated, according to social media, something, something, something. 
So let me check Canada on here because if that's Justin Bieber, then that will make sense. Canada. No, it's not. So I don't know what this list means. But regardless, it's saying that Dude Perfect is the highest subscribing thing in America. So, and number eight in general. Um, they So what they do is just like record themselves take like hitting trick shots and like should be impossible shots mm-hmm. um as if they are hitting them on the very first try that they have ever tried them well okay so did you see the one where they were doing world record basketball the basketball shots and they actually and they did, did hit it on the yeah. first try yeah so i that, did see that that one. one was amazing yeah no that was amazing but you you don't know this it's it's edited so as if it has they are hitting these all in their first try mm-hmm um, but it takes them many tries, I'm sure. Though, if you watch their competitions against professional athletes, like they're not as good as professional athletes, Mm-mm. but they're pretty good. They are pretty good, and I was actually, I have been impressed by them in some ways. Whoever that especially in the guy is, Ty. Yeah. The main guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the main character. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, they are such a. They're a huge channel that I didn't even realize. I just thought they were just some bunch of kids from Texas. But anyways. Yeah, I saw them like three years ago and was like, hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. And then recently so, watched a bunch of their videos. Right. So I guess the question is, and I think that they kind of fall into a category of – they're slightly different maybe because there's more like character-y driven kind of – but I also found myself today watching a video of like world record dominoes falling down. Um, so, and I'm I'm fitting those kind of two into the same category as of like just like videos that attract our attention and just kind of suck you in, and you're just watching kind of mundane things like dominoes falling down. So my question is, why do we do that? Why do those video? Why are those videos appealing to us? Because I know there's like a whole genre of like satisfying videos. Why do those videos? Why are they so prevalent? Why Why do we like them? And what does that say about us as humans? Mm-hmm. So I guess I I think of them as a slightly different like type of video. It's, to me, they're like expertise videos which are a, another type of video that I really like watching. So um, if you guys are familiar with, I think it's a web publication called Wired. Mm-hmm. They they make a lot of YouTube videos that's like, let's talk to an expert about such and such. And so they do one that's looking at actors' accents in a bunch mm-hmm. of different movies and TV shows. There's like three of them that are half an hour long, and I've watched all three of them. Oh my! Like, I don't, I didn't care about accents at all, uh-huh. but it's really fun and interesting to listen to this guy talk about accents. Mm-hmm. Or, I just watched a video of them taking apart a watch today. It was a different person taking apart right. a watch of Japanese and Swiss make, and telling me about all the things that are in this watch. And you don't uh, care anything about watches. No, no, no. I've I've watched videos about people trying to break the world record in cycling. Uh, trying what is, to what are cy- world record cycling records? So the biggest 
achievement apparently in cycling is the hour challenge. So how okay. far can you ride a bike in an hour? And mm-hmm. no one has broken 60 kilometers yet. No. Okay. No, that can't be true. Oh, no. Okay, nope. That's right. No one's done that That would yet. mean you're going 60 kilometers an hour. Yeah. People that's your average speed. That's shockingly close, though. Um, but anyway, so I really like watching videos like that because I, th- to, like, I think everything is interesting if – just in general, but especially mm-hmm. if someone who knows what they're talking about is doing things. So I see them as like experts in weirdly specific throwing things, right. fields. So it's fun for me to watch them do those things. Mm-hmm. Or it's like I've watched a lot of sports highlights and I don't care about sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not entirely true. No, that's not. I entirely. care about hockey. But like you would want, you could watch a basketball highlight and still be impressed by it. Yeah. Even though you don't care at all about basketball. Yeah. Or like, like some sport that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Like if something's athletic I can't enough. T- <laughs> I can't tell you how many videos I've watched about Australian rules football. I can't tell you anything about Australian Why? rules football. <laughs> But it's fascinating. It's the same idea, right? Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I'm watching, but I can tell that it's incredible. Yeah. So, I and to me, the whole satisfying videos, things are weird, and mm-hmm. off-putting. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't get the like peeling plastic off things. Mm-hmm. Like I like peeling glue off of my own hands, but I'm not about to watch a video of people doing that. So, no, that's fair. So, basically what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is we like expertise. We like experts. Probably because, and even deeper than that, we like perfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's like people like symmetry. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know why, but we do like symmetry. And so I think doing things really well or being really knowledgeable about something in an interesting way is like symmetry to us. It's just like Mm -hmm. pleasant for whatever reason. Right, right. And even thinking about sports, right? I'm thinking about like the Olympics. There's so Mm -hmm. many sports in the Olympics I have no knowledge about or don't care about three years out of the quad Three out of four years, three, I don't care three about. Three in nine months. <laughs> <laughs> but but all of a sudden, right, curling comes on, and I love curling. Or, mm-hmm. like, gymnastics come on. I don't know anything about gymnastics and honestly don't really care. But I watch gymnastics in the Olympics, and I'm mm-hmm. like, that was perfect. I'm now, like, the biggest gymnastics fan ever. Yeah, I watched a video about trying to do a quadruple axle. Mm-hmm. in figure skating and i only watch figure skating maybe once every four years right right so is this a good thing like do we need to be concerned does this feed into our 
perfectionist natures? Do we need to limit the amount of dude perfect we have in our lives? Um, I don't think so. Um, maybe only in the way that it it and these whole like expertise videos I think can emphasize specificity in an unhealthy way mm-hmm. um, because I, I I I wouldn't go as far as like some people's criticisms that say modern society has so specified us so that we're worthless I don't think that's entirely true but I don't mm-hmm. think it's a completely invalid criticism right uh, so ba- just to clarify what you're saying is or what they're saying is that because things need to be so specific and so perfect we've now crippled ourselves kind of into not having rooms for people who aren't expertise in that field well no kind of it's just the the amount of knowledge you need to have to be at the cutting edge of any field is so great you have to it's at the exclusion of other fields and Mm -hmm. so because your your focus is so deep but so narrow you lose connections or you you lose the connectivity to see bigger picture things. Um, so, like, I think about Thomas Young, who is famous for doing the double split experiment to demonstrate the wave nature of light. Mm-hmm. He is, also has uh, Young's modulus named after him, which is is extremely important. Right. It's like the stress that strain wasn't sarcastic, by the way. It's very of, important uh, materials. Um, and he also coined the term, uh, Indo-European language family in which he analyzed like 200 different languages to show the common grammar and words and syntax of the Indo-European family of languages. Mm-hmm. So he was a pretty... Also, he is apparently a a, fam- a fabulous dancer. <laughs> nice. His Wikipedia page is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, his he was so broad, broadly informed. People would say, "Oh, okay." He he was able to do so much of what he did because he knew so much about so much. He's a Renaissance man. Yes. Though <laughs> it might be unfair because I think Thomas Young is like a freakish human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the criticism now would be because the the frontiers quotes of all these domains are so far away from each other. You you lose sight of other things as you're going down mm-hmm. to try mm-hmm. to progress any certain field. Right. And losing the connectivity loses insights that you could have to actually progress things. So mm-hmm. I think in when like Dude Perfect brings in people who are the best playing card throwers in the world or the best boomerangers in the world. Yep. It's like do we need a best boomeranger in the world? 
Um, <laughs> like someone has to be the best boomeranger in the world. Right, right. Just because that's how best works. But mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone needs to be that good right. at throwing the so, boomerang. So, like, maybe what – to kind of tag along with this idea of young, whatever his first name was. Thomas. Dude Perfect is kind of like that in a way, right? Because they don't just, like, only do basketball or only do football. But they try to do – I mean, it's a very – probably – very poor comparison, but they, these guys are making the same trick shots in golf or hockey or football or all of these different sports, even boomerangs. Um, but still acting on that level of perfection. Yeah. So I think it's okay, but you can't, take it too far. I mean, you can take mm-hmm. everything too far. Right. But I think I don't I think yes, it's okay. But I do think that I, I don't know. I probably lean, lean more to the side that our world and our society is to holds up the perfectness too high. And so that hold that forces us to hold ourselves to a high, higher standard. I don't know. When I watch a Dude Perfect video, I don't walk away from that thinking like, wow, I need to be the best at something. But I think, okay, I'm not saying that only that is is in that sphere. But like, I'm saying that's just how, that shows how pervasive this thought is into our society. That we can't even have, play sports without having to be perfect. Hmm. Or even like, I th- I think the the most extreme is when they're bringing like trick shots into real life. Mm-hmm. Like, is that what you're saying? We don't want. I'm saying that that there is just this pervasive thought that we need to be perfect in everything that we do, and that yes, I don't think that dude perfect in and of itself is going to cause me to to be in that. But I think it is a another just thing that I'm consuming that says, okay, things need to be perfect, even if I'm taking it in as an entertainment source. Mm-hmm. So, like, hashtag goals. I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, it's like, uh, like, um, or like squad goals or relationship goals. Yeah, but I think that's. Uh, Yes, but I think it's di- like it's more than that too. I think like it's also just like in our jobs and in our like life and our aspirations. These are the things that like so yes, hashtag goals, but I think maybe also more personal than that. I don't know. Maybe hashtag what, goals what do you is mean? personal. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I don't know. That just seems very – that just seems more like a joke to me, I guess. Maybe that's terrible oh, for people I don't think who people use hashtag as a joke. I feel like it's a meme. Am I, have I just been living in a world of – that's not true? I think that, yeah. Okay, then, yeah, sure, that that works. I just think that there's, like, almost all aspects of, of our life – 
we're being told that we need to be perfect in those aspects of our lives. I don't think that's anything new, though. Okay. Like, I was just having a conversation about Pride and Prejudice where uh, Mr. Darcy is saying what he uh, expects from a woman, and it's like Mm -hmm. that she can read well and write well and play the piano and embroider and paint and sketch and so on and so forth. So, like, Mr. Darcy is, at that point, is very flawed as a character. Uh, so, so that's, I think those expectations are always there, but we've, I don't know, I think people have always pushed back against that. Right, and I agree. I agree that we've always probably have been trying to be perfect. But I guess, like, I don't think that that's helpful. And I think that we should be, like, in some ways, I think we should be trying to take that the focus off of perfection. So, And I'm def- concerned that things aren't doing that. To defend my perfectionist roots, why not? Because it's not helpful. Why? Because you can't be perfect. And so by try- trying to be perfect and trying to hold yourself to that standard, you're all you're just setting yourself up for failure, which is going to then just I don't, I don't know. It's not it's not going to allow you to actually succeed in the ways that you can succeed. I I don't I don't see why not though. Like Only if it's, like, negative perfectionism. Uh, is I wasn't sure that you could have perfectionism as it be a positive thing. You can. Uh, clearly, you have not been on the Wikipedia page for perfectionism. I have not, no. It's so it's like... It's like the difference... You know those posters that say, shoot for the stars, and if you'll miss... No, shoot for the moon, and if you'll miss, you'll end up along the stars. That's that was like, always really depressing to me. Why? Because if you miss the moon, you're going to be floating aimlessly in space forever and die slowly as you run out of oxygen. No, it'll be beautiful. That's as like positive die. perfectionism. Negative perfectionism is like, shoot for the moon, but if you decide that you can't, don't do anything and blow up on the platform. I disagree with this. <laughs> so, Why? Be, so I guess, I guess what I and maybe what p- positive perfectionism is, and what I am trying to say is, we need to set reasonable goals. And I don't think being perfect is a reasonable goal. So I don't think that you should have that as a goal. But just like, that's the, that's the goal, though, right? So why wouldn't you aim for it? Because it's not attainable. But that doesn't... I I think even if things are not attainable, it doesn't mean you shouldn't have them as goals. No, okay. Like, Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount with, therefore be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. And even if we say, okay, we can't do that, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. 
Okay, so then how do we... So is the problem with perfectionism not in the fact that we are aiming for perfection, but the fact of how we respond to it? Yeah, I think I think the problem is that we don't... That failure is the ultimate failure and not just a progression. Okay, okay. So how do we... How do we change our thinking? Um, well, okay. So I, th- I think failure is pretty deeply ingrained in us as being the ultimate failure mm-hmm. from most, like most of how we're taught. Right. Um, and that's, that's just like, that's how school operates. So, I don't want to say reform the entire education system, but I think we should reform the entire education system. Um, I think that's fair. <laughs> just casually. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, I, I think it's it's important to share our own shortcomings and like places where we failed and then how those how those failures have been instructive or how even if things look like failures the outcome is still good right so this is i guess this is kind of what i'm getting at and why it's probably more of my issue with dude perfect i don't have an issue with dude perfect but i'm going to use them as an example Mm -hmm. so and and why i was kind of why i feel like perfectionism is a problem is because it does you don't see the, the and I think in society we don't see the failures. For instance, Dude Perfect doesn't show you mm-hmm. the hun, the pot, potentially hundreds of attempts right that they failed at before they finally got the shot. And so I think that's why it's dangerous is because it doesn't it, it is continuing to fit that mold as you use your example in the school system that there is no room for failure mm-hmm. or that failure you can't have failure because you you just can't fail. You have to be perfect. And so you don't see the process of, okay, I threw it at this angle with this. I threw the ball at this angle with this amount of force, and it get landed here. Okay, now I take that into consideration. Now I can aim better. And, like, because these guys aren't just, like, I don't think they're just, like, throwing it up with a prayer. I assume that they're, like, practicing and actually, like, taking shots and learning from the misses and failures that they've had before in order to actually hit the shot that mm-hmm. is seemingly impossible. And so I think that's the problem with perfection and why I think perfectionism is bad is because it doesn't allow you to have that room for failure or it's perceived that there is no room for failure, even though all of the, all of the elite and professionals and the experts have failed. I don't, I don't know. I can't say that exactly but have failed along the way in order to get to the place where they are now Mm -hmm. but we don't see that i I don't know i think that's key yeah yeah and that's like though apparently instagram has very changed since since this was like a relevant criticism of instagram i assume it still is in some ways but instagram is apparently weird in ways that i don't understand now uh 
but I, I think Instagram encourages that uh, veneer of perfection mm-hmm. and, and like encourages people to present things as perfection. But like perfection isn't a state. It's like because no one is there. So it's not something you can like fall off of. It's always something that you're aiming for. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as I I I don't know if I still consider myself a perfectionist, but I have it many times in my life. Mm-hmm. And I I don't I I think that was helpful for me in a lot of ways and I wouldn't be where I am if I wasn't a perfectionist. Whether so do you think it's ever been a bad thing in your life or has um, affected you negatively? Has it affected me what? Negatively. Um, yeah. Like I cared way too much about grades in high school. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it. I I don't think it was like crippling. In ways that perfectionism can be. Okay. But so why was it? Why was it negative though? Even if it wasn't crippling. Oh, just because grades aren't very important. Okay. Long term. Right. So if you didn't care about your grades in high school, would you have cared about something else more or not necessarily? Well, I hope so. I I hope I would have cared more about the people I was with Mm -hmm. while and like better appreciating the time that I had doing things that I really loved with people that I really, you know, like doing them with. Mhm. Mhm. So, so like no, I was ahead. dumb then though. So What do you mean? Oh, I like I just was I didn't know what was going on while I was in high school. So I cared about things that don't matter and didn't care about things that do. Mhm. Mhm. So I don't think me changing being a perfectionist would have changed where I prioritize things. I think I just would have been worse at the things that I did. Okay. So what has changed now that... Sorry for asking all these personal questions. It's fine. that That has changed that you kind of can see that and recognize that. And now you don't care about grades as much anymore. I mean, just, like, time and being alive. So just experience has taught you that it doesn't matter? Yeah. Like, just, like, tests that I've taken in the past, I worried about a lot in the run-up to them Mm -hmm. and now totally forget them. And the things that I didn't necessarily think were important are the things that I remember now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
so how do we so kind of thinking about that how do we then how do we view perfection in its appropriate place but also not allow it to affect us in negative ways i guess what are what are ways that we can fight against that and then also keep because to some extent i think as humans we do desire perfection whether it's in art or sports or whatever and i think that is okay but i do worry too that it can be crippling or detrimental Mm -hmm. so how do how do we balance that how do we keep it in its proper place and keep it in proper perspective um i think like right we should view perfection it's perfection Mm -hmm. so of course it should be the highest goal and what we're trying to attain Mm -hmm. just like to me it's in the word okay uh but i think the way we keep it in perspective is that it's an aspiration and not it's not like a binary thing like it's you you're not either on or off perfect mhm like it's it, like you it's an asymptote in my mind so for those of you who don't n- know math things, an asymptote is a line in a function that a function will always approach but never reach. Uh, so if you think of it, for example, of 1 over x, at 0 there's an asymptote. At infinity, if you're approaching x from the positive direction or negative infinity if you're approaching it from the negative direction. So perfection is infinity. The function never actually has a value of infinity, but it's approaching mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. so that's that's what we should be having the goal of. And it's like if you're not at infinity, that's okay because no one's actually at infinity. And so it's okay to like it's okay to recognize where you are on this, as long as we're as long as we have the same goal. Mm-hmm. So then, how do we deal with failure? Because we're gonna fail as we're on this function or whatever, however you want to look at it. Because I think that's the that also is the key, right? Because the problem I see with perfection is that we can hold ourselves to a higher standard to a too high of a standard and then we fail. And so then we look at, at least in my own life, I then like look back on myself and that can be detrimental. Hmm. So how do we, how do we properly view those failures in a way that doesn't pull us back down that slope, but rather helps us climb higher Mm -hmm. like i think failures are in the end perfecting okay like like i know more now 
because of like regrets I have about the past or thinking like, oh, wow, that was a failure of mine, I guess. But now I know those things. Mm -hmm. And so that that shifts. Hopefully it shifts the way you look at the world to better align yourself with what your I think what a perfection really is. Um, so the end of the War and Peace video, no, TV show that the BBC produced in 2016, uh, Pierre Bezuhoff is talking about the time he spent as basically a prisoner of war, like on a forged march with the French forces and the collapse of his marriage and all the times he he like was embezzled and mishandled his money he says after time has passed and learning from this experience he says i i don't like the hard things that were in my past mm-hmm. but looking at my life and where it is now i wouldn't want to live without going through those hard times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the proper view of failure is instructional. It it teaches us, I think it forces us to reflect on what our values are and hopefully orients us better to what we truly value. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think from my perspective, I am probably more wary of perfectionism than it sounds like Austin is. Or we just and I think that's okay. So, I don't want to say like go out there and strive for for, for perfection, whereas Austin might say that. I and and I guess you can, but I I just think it's so it can be dangerous. At least for me, I think it can be dangerous to say, okay, this is this is this goal that I have to hit, and if I don't hit that, then I'm a failure. And so I, I want to be cautious about that. I think that we should strive for we should set goals. We should strive for perfection, even maybe. But I think that we need to be smart about those things. We need to be understanding of of who we are and what that looks like for ourselves and also be okay with failure and know if and when failure happens, how am I going to deal with that? Mm-hmm. And how can I how can I use that as a way of growing rather than... F- whatever the opposite of growing is dying receding receding i don't know so i'm i'm probably more hesitant than than you are well i mean i would not expect that (laughs) um but yeah I, i don't know like for me setting the goal as perfection and then if you don't meet that you're still somewhere like you've still come some way. Right. But I think in some ways we can like, okay, maybe this is what it is. And I should have got here sooner than 
right at the end. But we, we can tie our value to that, right? So my value is if I can meet this standard, if I can be perfect. And if I don't meet that, then my value is lost. I guess. I think that's where it is probably where it becomes dangerous, right? Yeah, I just think that's undervaluing yourself, though. I, I'm not saying that it's not necessarily, but I'm saying that I think I can, I have experienced that and I think other mm. people can relate to that as well. Not saying that it's, it's not undervalued. I think it's, I think it is misvaluing yourself, I guess. Yeah. At least, at least for my life, that's what it's been, right? By by setting these goals and not being able to hit them, it's not necessarily undervaluing, but I would say misvaluing because I'm setting my goal something that, kind of what we talked about last week, that I wasn't meant to hit, I guess, or the goal that I'm not supposed to be aiming for. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can never reach this goal. And so I'm always going to fail. But if, I, if I'm saying this is the goal that I have to hit in order to have value... I've I've misvalued that. I need to shift that into a more proper. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree. Proper Even if goal. you do, like, my goal in all of school was to be the best student, and mm-hmm. then I was, and then <laughs> I learned, like, I learned that that was just like. E- even hitting that goal, was misvaluing. Mm-hmm. So I like I I don't I don't think it's about whether or not you hit or don't hit your goals. It's like where do you place value and what is the the foundation of that value? Yeah. So transition into recommendations. I think again, this is good for myself as well, but reflect on what are the things that I am value? What are the things I value? What are the things that I have like set up as the things that I have defined will make me valuable, I guess, or, or show that I have value. And then also think about, okay, does that actually line up with who I am or, or what should actually define that value? I don't know. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the initial recommendation. Do you have any other recommendations for us? Like metaphysical recommendations like that or just like regular recommendations? Regular opening the doors. (laughs) Um, It can be a metaphysical recommendation if you like. um, I had something to say, but now I forget what it was. I'm sorry. Uh, In terms of metaphysical recommendations. But now I forget, which is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It was not very long ago. That's okay. It might come back to you. Do you um, want me to go with another recommendation? And yeah, come sure. Back to you? So today I went on a musical journey through the works of Bonnie Iver. Bonnie Iver, or however oh, you pronounce nice. his name. Who knows? We may have talked about, it may have been recommended before on the podcast. I don't know. I did, yeah. But it was fascinating because... So up until recently, I have only listened to um, For Emma or whatever the first one was, mm-hmm. and then Bonnie Bear, which I thought were fantastic. 
And then I listened to 22 a million and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. But it was fascinating today. I listened to all three of those albums in a row in the order that they, um, the album order. And it was interesting to see the progression and it was almost like a, it, listening back to back, it didn't seem as un, as unjoined as I had thought in my mind, I guess. Mm-hmm. It seemed much mm-hmm. more of a natural progression into whatever weirdness he's in now with 21 a million or 22 a million. Um, so yeah, it was it was really quite enjoyable um, to kind of go along that journey um, with Mister Iver, whatever his name is. It's Justin Vernon. Okay, well, it was it was still good. Um, what else was I gonna say? I don't remember. I will just say I love Twenty Two a Million. I have already recommended it on this podcast, <laughs> but it's. To me, it's so great because I, to me, the auto tune really well is a great representation of the alienation that he feels on that album. Mm-hmm. That he, like, his voice is fighting against the auto tuned emotionallessness. Of, of what the auto tune is, right? The criticism of auto tune is like it's unnatural, and it mm-hmm. kills the emotion. And Bon Iver is known for just like the who knows what he's saying, but it's emotional. And right. so that's like he's fighting against himself, mm-hmm. even even in the form that he's choosing. Which I think is a is just like a great artistic choice. Mm-hmm. There are non auto tune songs also on the album. Not That's many. True. Anyway, <laughs> um, my just regular run of the mill recommendation is a book called. This is a great book though. It's called The Door, by. Mm-hmm a Hungarian woman whose name I am about to butcher. So get your aprons ready. Magda Zabo. Actually, that wasn't that bad. Sounded Um, fine to me. I even have my cleaver. You can tell she's Hungarian because her name starts with SZ, which if you remember my... uh, my history... what, What was that competition called? We did with Mrs. Lewis. Uh, National History Day. My, if you remember my senior National History Day project about Leo Szilard, you will remember that he was also Hungarian, and his name I also do. started with S-Z. I had no idea how to pronounce it then. Anyway, The Door is great. Uh, it is a story about a woman and her caretaker. The author is the main character. Okay. Um, she's not really the main character. She's the perspective character. And this woman, Emerence, is... It's it's like Watson and Sherlock Holmes. Like, Watson's the perspective character, but Sherlock Holmes is the main character. Yep. But anyway, it reminds me of, like, a weird kind of combination of 
the movie goer by Walker Percy and Silence by um, Endo. Both books I think are really great, but just the the way it it flows with the church calendar and Good Friday and Easter is like the movie goer is. But then the the really like meditation on what it means to be Christ-like and what it means to be Judas-like that mm-hmm. consumes silence is so present in the door. Uh, and, so, and like reversals of how you think about yourself and how you think about the people in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's great. Um, I had never read a book by a Hungarian author before, so that was new. Uh, oh. there w- so there was a time where they implied that Emirates had once been with or had like sheltered a future leader of Hungary, but they never say who it was. And I'm like, I do not know enough about the leaders <laughs> of Hungary to put this together. And Wikipedia is not helpful at all. And they never say the name of this person. Interesting. Um, what anyway, year was this? Uh, it was written in the 80s. Okay. The 1980s. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Emirates, like sometimes reminds me of Grandma. Okay. Because the way she she views work and like she never takes a break from doing work, mm-hmm. doesn't allow anyone else to do work for her. Mm-hmm. And just like thinks very, not very much of people who don't work with their hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like hmm, Grandma and Emran should hang out sometimes. They really shouldn't. I don't think they would be <laughs> friends. But too explosive. They just disagree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the door. The door. By Magdazado. Well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Next week I'll get to tell you what happened in England, even though by the time you're hearing this, my trip will be mostly over. Yep. And I will still be in Potsdam, and it will still be cold. (laughs) Maybe it'll be warmer. I don't believe it. I mean, yeah, it's probably true. That was loud. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye.